Wednesday, the 9th of November, the day after Election Day. It's also the day after the Rangers lost to the frickin' Islanders at home last night. Dan Nathan was at the game, which is maybe, I don't want to say causality. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm Guy Adami. Clearly, that is Dan Nathan. And check this out. In just a few minutes, nine to be exact, Tony Batista of Tasty Trade will be with us. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet. Financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. Tasty trade, empowering the individual investor through content, technology, and know-how. This day after the election, a lot of different things happen overnight, still happening as we speak today. But more importantly for what our viewers are tuned in for is what's going on in the market as we sit here. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Guy. I, and again, I do feel for your Rangers. And I know no, you, you don't. think this was a Johnson move. I was there with Carter Braxtonworth of Market Call Frame, but kind of from you know, worth charting fame when you say so. And he and I were with another buddy. It was three, one, it was the end of the second. We're like, you know, let's go across the street. They got this thing. Let's go hit a bar or two. We get what, by the time we get to the bar, it's three, two. By the time we get our first drink, it was three, three. By the time we walked out of that bar, the Rangers had blown that beautiful lead at the end of two, uh, and they lost four to three. So yeah, maybe it was a bit of causality here. guy. I am sorry for your Rangers. It was a fun environment. For two periods. All right, let's do this thing because, okay, I think a lot of market participants got, I don't know, a little, uh, what do you want to call it, geeked up or so, the idea of a divided government, right? So obviously it looked like the the, the Dems were going to lose the House. The Senate was still up for grabs. You know, a lot of people were enthused about that. You know, we saw a lot of data in the lead up to the election. Well, here we are, Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dems, yeah, lose the House, very narrow loss. And it looks like there's a good shot that they hold the Senate and maybe even pick up a seat. We won't know for a few weeks. But the thing that's getting hit right out of the gate was high valuation tech stocks, mega cap tech stocks, energy stocks. You know, these were all things that maybe people thought was on their radar that might do well in a divided government. What's your take on this? Because when I look at the things, you look at this um, fact set has it down um, by sectors. Mm-hmm. It's very defensive stuff that's working today. Yeah, look, I, I, it's very hard to game this stuff out, what the market was hoping for. But I, I think... It's clear that the market was anticipating and then, I I guess, hoping for some sort of Republican uh, tsunami, to quote Ted Cruz. Well, that obviously has not happened. And to your point in the Senate, it looks as though, you know, it's going to happen in Georgia. I mean, it feels like there's going to have to be a runoff by state law. Uh, You have to have more than 50 percent of the vote. Doesn't appear as either one of those candidates will. So that'll last until at least uh, the middle of December, I would imagine. December 6th will be the runoff. And I'm not sure what's happening in Nevada right now. So Look, the Senate is up for grabs, I guess. The House, you know, probably about as close as you can get. So it's not that tsunami that I think market participants were hoping for. And maybe it's taking some of the wind out of the market sales. It's also, by the way, the market that has rallied pretty significantly, as we've talked about a number of times since yeah. October 14th or so. So it makes sense to a certain point. Look, I was one of the people that thought we'd get to 4,000 in the S&P. We got to 39 and a quarter thereabouts. And now the question is, was that it? Was that enough? Was that, I mean, decent but uninspired rally enough? And are we about to make the next leg lower? So that's what I'm struggling with right now. But I will tell you, I'm starting to lean towards that next leg lower might be a lot quicker than I thought originally. 
Yeah. So that whole notion that, you know, kind of markets over history have liked divided government because gridlock doesn't, you know, it, it kind of maybe feels like stability, if you will, as it thinks, you know, think about market participants and what they look for. And I think to your point, Guy, December 6th, and maybe they're not done counting for another week in Georgia, you know, that lack of visibility about that hopeful, you know, stability that was going to come after this election doesn't exist. And so, again, now we have to turn our sights to some of the things that were easily on the ballot and inflation was one of them. And we know a lot of the, you know, voters were very concerned about that. A lot of investors remain concerned about it. We have the CPI print tomorrow morning. And I guess the point here is that, you know, is there anything that happened in the last 24 hours that causes any political pressure for the Fed to do anything different than what they said they were going to continue to do in battling inflation last week? And your point about the S&P guy, you know, if you look at this rally that we've had from mid-October, we just had that downdraft last week. I mean, I tell you that that 39.25 or 39.30, we can't get by there soon. It's not looking pretty good for like the continuation of this rally. I know that sounds kind of obvious here, but I guess my point is I almost want to point to the NASDAQ 100, why it's not looking good, because look at how far away from the recent lows the NASDAQ 100 is. And it really feels like we're a couple trading days away from taking out those October lows. And the S&P would most certainly follow behind it because because we did see a rotation out of mega cap tech into other areas of the market. And I just feel like the lack of certainty and a continued hawkish Fed, if we do continue to have really hot inflation data, means lower lows for equities. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Now you're starting to see, I mean, other than that, whatever rally we saw in Apple post earnings, that two day yeah. rally, which we could probably explain and try to do. But it, if you remember, the stock went from 138 in the after hours after they reported, I think it traded as high as 158 a few trading sessions later. Now, here we are round tripping that entire thing and actually lower. So Apple's obviously, we've said it a number of times, they're not going to be impervious to what's going on and they're falling victim to it to some degree. And then Tesla uh, trading again at levels we haven't seen in many years, quite frankly. So obviously all weighing on the NASDAQ. And I think you're ex- exactly right. The NASDAQ is completely underperforming and it doesn't look particularly good. So, you know, here we are. Um, it, it's fascinating to me, though, that there's still people that somehow have the, and I'll use the word misguided hope that the Fed's going to come to the rescue. In the form of the equity market, they ain't coming to the rescue. Credit market's a different story. We haven't seen the cracks there, but equity market, it ain't happening, people. Well, I, I guess the, the playbook there, guy, is, is that, you know, if, Okay, where where where's the Fed put come in play in the S and P five hundred? I guess we're yeah, and that's a long ways away, right? So when you think about where we are here, you know, the S and P at thirty seven ninety or so, um, you know, we're not getting there anytime soon. But if you think back to you know late two thousand eighteen when the S and P sold off in two months about twenty percent, the Fed definitely changed their tune. So again, you know, uh, you know, a precipitous drop in equities might do that. But here's the one thing that you know we've been talking about the the ten year yield and just the ability for it to kind of maintain this uptrend that's been in since you know early. August when it was about two seven or something like that. Well, here we are. We're at four point one. We've come off a little bit. I, I feel like you know this would be a good thing for for any bulls and bears if we saw ten year yield come in a little bit. Guy thoughts here on this one because you know we talked about the dollar yesterday, the, the the Dixie, the U.S. dollar index. You know it's contending with its uptrend. It really feels like it wants to weaken, and I feel like these things might trade together here. 
Yeah, TLT, the reverse, not the reversal, but this late sell-off or this sell-off we're seeing over the last half hour or so in the TLT is is not particularly inspiring. So a sell-off in TLT, I know you know this and our viewers and listeners know this, but obviously lower TLT means higher yields. And I'm really surprised. Now, maybe this is, we mentioned causality before with you in a hockey game. Maybe this is causality here with TLT selling off. Maybe that's why the broader market is selling off. Now, one of the things that I've said incorrectly for a while. And I'm surprised that I thought if the market were to sell off in a meaningful way, you would see a flight to quality in the form of bonds, meaning that yields would go down and the TLT would go up. It's not happening. And Danny Moses has made this point and Carter Worth has made this point. He has two scenarios. Yields go lower, uh, maybe short-term bullish equities, but not long-term. And yields go higher is clearly not bullish for equities because yields aren't going higher because the economy is getting better. So it really surprises me how poorly the bond market is trading in this environment. But quite frankly, maybe it shouldn't. I mean, maybe that's what's yeah. really driving this entire thing. I'll tell you this, though, Guy. I'm pretty convicted that this is going to reverse. I think the TLT is a buy here. I've been playing it long. The GOVT, I've been playing it through calls. I, I'm going to buy this TLT also. I think there's going to be a really great trade on the long side. I think yields are going to come in by the end of the uh, year. And I think that might be the peak for this whole period, too. So that's the trade. We'll keep updating that. All right. Lastly, though, before we get to Tony, um, we got to look at crude because I do think that the knee-jerk reaction in crude oil was lower after this uncertain mm-hmm. result here. Thoughts there? Because I know that you think thought that if it really came out as a clean win for the Republicans in the midterms, that you would see oil higher here. But again, Mm -hmm. I mean, to your point, you know, it wasn't particularly clean. We have a bit of uncertainty for the next few weeks. Um, In general, you know, crude from a technical standpoint, this uptrend that's been in place for, you know, a little more than a month, it's being tested right now. It's definitely being tested. And, you know, my, you know, one of the things that my premise was, you know, obviously, into the election, crude oil had a giant bullseye on its back. You know, everybody talking about inflation, crude prices, yeah. gasoline prices too high, blah, blah, blah. And people were running on that. Well, now's the day after the election. You know, people don't have to run anymore for another two years. So they're going to forget. I mean, as quickly as they brought it up, they forget about it. And I thought that would free crude to go higher, the next leg higher. And by the way, I still think that could happen. So we'll see. But to your point, we're right up against that trend line. And you mentioned, you know, you talk about XLE and OIH. I mean, trading at levels we probably yeah. last saw in June. The right thing to do, the disciplined thing to do is probably take some money off the table unless you still believe, as I do, that there's this next leg higher. But, you know, it's funny because you mention this all the time. If the global economy is slowing down, to use the word impervious again, crude is not going to be impervious to that. So there's so many different cross currents here, which is why trading is so much fun. It is fun, guy. I'm glad you put it in that context. Oh, you got to have fun. You know who's yeah. a lot of fun? And I'm doing who's this. That? We're 30 seconds late. Yeah. Can I bring him in? Of course. Tony it's Batista. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I guarantee you didn't expect this question. So you get ready for it and don't screw it up, okay? I'm going to do my best. Who is a bigger badass, John Dutton or Beth Dutton? Beth Dutton, no doubt. Yeah, it's the right, it's the right freaking answer, man. You are so. Wait, I can't on. wait for season five. They, I think they just announced it, or they're starting to tease it online. I can't wait. I think it's great. Sunday I think everybody night, wants a best up in their life. Oh, can I tell you, Yellowstone? And listen, you're talking about somebody who loved this freaking Sopranos. I thought Homeland was the best written TV show in the history of mankind, but Yellowstone is ridiculous. And Beth Dutton 100% is. I agree. I tell you what. 
you don't want to F with Beth Dutton. With that said, Tony, we're talking about a lot of things. I mean, do me a favor. For, can you ask Tom Sosnoff that question the next time he's on your show? Because he's he going to have no who, idea what either one is. He has no idea, right? Right, yeah. right, right. None, none. He's a one That's why I wouldn't owner. ask him the question. <laughs> well, talk to us quickly. I mean, I think pe- we have some time. People want to sort of know how you and Tom got together, sort of the genesis of this entire thing, this great community you've built at Tasty Trade. Thanks, thanks. Um, we we both met on the floor of the exchange, the, the CBOE. Uh, I started in 1983. Uh, I made my first trade when I was around uh, 21 years old. And Tom had already been in the pit for a couple of months. And we kind of hit it off. We both played softball together. We actually really became better friends on a softball field uh, than we did on the than we did at the uh, at the CBOE. He stood on one side of the pit. I stood on the other. So we really didn't talk that much during the day. But we socialized, and uh, my son, who works with us here at Tasty Trade, uh, is 32 years old, and Tom was at his first birthday. So we've known each other for a long wow. time. You know, Tony, I've known you for a bit, and uh, you know, I used to go on uh, when you guys started Tasty Trade over 10 years ago. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I went on one of your kind of early shows, and it's just, you know, guy used the term community. What you guys have been able to build, and and really through education, and and listen, you know, you guys end up entertaining a little bit too. There, um, talk to us a little bit about are there any differences? Our listeners, our viewers. I've gotten to know Tom's style over the last three months. What's different about your style when you think about markets than, than Tom's? Um, I don't fall in love with a lot of things like Tom does. Tom has, you know, and, and maybe that's why his name's on the door, right? You know, uh, one investor's floor is another investor's ceiling. And sometimes, you know, I know this uh, uh, Sam Bankman feed is getting a lot of, you know, slack right now for going all in on everything, but that's how game changers do it. And I think mm-hmm. Tom's a, when he gets conviction, he's he's all in. Me, I'm I'm too stupid to be all in. I realize that I don't know where something's going or what something's doing. I try not to fall in love with 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 things in the market. I stay a lot lot more mechanical and um, try to just let the numbers beat me or or the market beat me. I'm glad you said that because you know when I when I get an opportunity to speak to people, one of the things I hear inevitably is General. This is years ago, but General Electric has been so good to me. Apple has been so good to me. First of all, these these companies don't give a shit about you, number one. And people fall in love with these companies. You know, they, they, there should be no emotion attached to them. So I'm glad you brought that up. They're just vehicles to buy and sell and hopefully make money with. So I think oftentimes we let emotion get get in the way of things and we get carried away with this revisionist history or this romanticized view of a lot of these companies that don't know you exist. So I, I appreciate you bringing it up, but let's talk at sort of 30,000 feet um, in terms of what you're seeing. Obviously, look, October 13th, 14th, we mentioned that Thursday, Friday, subsequently that Monday, that proved to be another short-term bottom, the market's bounced, but here we are, pretty messy day. What do you, you look at the landscape and what is this, what is all this sort of telling you? Well, you guys mentioned a little bit earlier on the show, they really kind of, um, the high flyers, first of all, there's there's no more meme stock, right? There's no more AMCs. There's no more Bed yeah. Bath & Beyonds. There's there's no more like kind of um, that euphoria where people go in the market and everything was going towards tech. And now tech's taking it on the, the chin. And even uh, you mentioned like some defensive stocks. I mean, you got Disney down, what, 10 or $12 today? Almost $13 now. The, basically taking a lot of stuff significantly lower. And I don't know if it's completely warranted at, at, at this point. Now, uh, you were talking about what you thought the market was going to do. I think we're going to have the opposite of what we had in 2021. In 2021, 
We ended the year, as you all know, near or at the highs and then sold off into January. I think we have a little two-sided action here. I, we probably test the lows. They're just so close in, in, with implied yeah. volatility being almost 27% now. It's definitely showing you that, or at least pointing in the direction that there's going to be some two-sided action and maybe some of it's going to be a little bit lower. But I think we, after these midterms are, are, are all settled, I think come January, I think you see, I think you see a decent market. Uh, that's my yeah. that's my longer term opinion, which uh, which means really absolutely no. It, it, no, it, it's actually important. You know, yesterday we had the VIX up, and Guy and I don't throw the VIX up too often. But if you just look at the channel that's being developed here in 2022, you know, equities seem like a good sale when the VIX is in the mid 30s, and they seem like a good buy. What you know what I mean? Like you know sure. the, the 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 opposite way. You know, down towards um, 20. So, you know, to me, like, you know, you have these sorts of ranges here where, you know, you can use instruments like this to give you a good sense of kind of at least where sentiment is. And I think one of the things that a lot of investors, you know, as the market, um, you know, has been kind of ticking lower on certain phases, people are like, why hasn't the VIX exploded to the upside? And that means that a lot of people are hedged up. So to your point about like a Disney, you're having some one-off sort of situations where all the mega cap tech names are down more than 10% since they reported now most of them are down 30 40 percent these might be generational opportunities to start legging into a stock like disney and i'm going to start you know disney at 85 i walked in after guy and i talked about it last night on fast money for about 20 minutes i'm like i'm going to buy that stock at about 85 or so and average down because i'm never going to be able to pick the bottom and i have to have a, a bit of a fundamental thesis so are you starting to see individual stocks that are starting to look attractive that you want to kind of leg into to and, and buy in pieces and average into? Yeah, and I think the I think the I think the one tell the CBOE came out with last week, I believe it was, that um SPX volume and index volume has been some of the highest it, it, it's been ever uh in recorded history for trading. And that just tells me that a lot of the um the 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 what would you call it the trend type trader or yeah. the person that's looking for the for the movement of the market is going into those sectors meaning a big sector instead of individual stocks and when they leave those individual stocks they seem to get a little bit soft and i think that becomes like you said you said generational i'll say they look like they become a you know a good trade for for at least yeah. for for a short period of time you know, we crypto. I, I've I've said it since the inception, and I read Brian Kelly's book in 2014. But you know, I do, I do my best. I don't understand it, and I'm not going to try to play where's Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of those coins going. But what I will say is, I think they're clearly impactful in terms of what it means for market sentiment. You look at obviously what's going on over the last 48 hours, and I think to a certain extent, the broader equity market has taken some of its. Uh, medicine on the back of that. But how do you look at this whole situation? Does it mean anything or am I reading too much into it, Tony? You know what? I'm in the same spot with you. I, this, I am not the expert in the room when it comes to uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies or anything like that. I do may, I have made fun of crypto saying that, you know, for the last six or eight months, it's basically the most stable currency you could have in the world with the dollar going extremely higher and, 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 and every other currency going, you know, to all time lows, uh, the yen, uh, the, the, the British pound, uh, the euro. Now they've all caught a little bit of a bid lately, uh, but the euro under par, I mean, who, 
would have thought, you know, the, the pound uh, under 112 at one time, you know, who would have who would have thought cryptocurrency was going basically sideways hanging out. And by cryptocurrency, I mean, Bitcoin. I'm not yeah. talking about any of those altcoins. To me, that's like talking about, you know, AMC and and Bed Bath and Beyond and the other kind of fringe players in the in the crypto market. Um, so Bitcoin going absolutely si sideways and very low implied volatility. Now you see it, you know, falling out of bed here because of everything that we've seen going on here. But I don't think crypto's the the play here. I think some of the stocks like Riot, which has been hammered, Hood today, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. the stock came out with great earnings. You guys are more, more fundamental guys than me, but from everything I read, you know, everybody said it looked good. It would trade up to $12. It's down over 30% now in the last 48 hours after good earnings. It gives you food for thought, you know what yeah. I mean? So for me, I'm starting to look at those, those stocks for some small time play. Yeah. Well, here's, here's another point. You know, you talk about, you said this and I think you said it really well. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the AMCs, the game stocks, the meme stocks, they're done. Okay. All these D SPACs are done. All these shit coins are done. So you've taken a lot of excess out of the market here. And to your point about what you see and how you see the stock market trading into year end in the sort of market we might have next year, here's the last piece of the puzzle. And we've been saying this on market call all year and it's Tesla, the original meme coin, the original cult leader of, of a stock market movement, that sort of thing. And it is falling out of bed right now. It's trading yeah. near $180. And so when you think about this thing down about 55% from its all-time highs last year, you think about all the unusually positive sentiment around Elon Musk. And Elon Musk is melting down, in my opinion, on Twitter every day, a company that he overpaid by $25 billion at least. And he's disregarding the company that was once worth over a trillion dollars a year ago that he is the CEO of, the largest shareholder of, and can't stop selling the stock. Overnight, it meant uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that he sold $4 billion in stock to pay for the crappy company that he bought that he's melting down on. Talk to me about Tesla. And do you think I'm wrong about this as being kind of like the last battle fought for this market? Yeah, I'd love to disagree with you so we can have some back and forth talk here. Um, <laughs> But I have to agree with you. I think Tesla and Elon Musk in particular is actually shitting on the people that kind of brought him to the promised land, you know, uh, by selling stock uh, uh, really on the QT. You know, like he went out and said, you know, I don't have to sell any stock and then he sells stock. It just it just seems kind of it just seems kind of crappy to the people who brought you to the dance. Um, I, I agree with you on the Twitter point. I, you know, I, th I think you're being generous with the number. I think he overpaid by even more. Will it end up being a good trade for him eventually? Probably. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in it, but you know, I wouldn't want to bet against him. He is a, he is a genius, but he's not a, he's not a marketing guy. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. he's a, he's a creator. Right. And I think if he goes back to creating and changing the world that way, it would be a lot better than, than trying to be a marketer or anything else like that. Uh, social media maven or, or Insta model or anything like that. Let's put up a Robin hood chart again. Cause last week we had um, obviously Tom came on, he talked about Robin. He'd love Robin hood to set up in terms of a company that despite the fact that they're a competitor with you guys and gals, yep. you know, he thought in the environment of rising interest rates environment, unless, unless they completely tripped over themselves, you know, this is a stock that can go significantly higher. And he was on to something, obviously, until today. But let me ask you if this makes sense. And I can't speak intelligently about implied vol and, and, and Robinhood, although I would think it's probably extended today. And I know the way you guys think. 
when you look at this and say, here's an opportunity to sell $8 mid-December puts, earn the premium, and it, because that's the way you trade, or is there more leverage at this point just buying the stock and hoping for a double here? You know, are you looking at that today clearly as an opportunity? I'm just curious as how you would exhibit that. I bought the stock today. What Tom didn't tell you about was the three-day rule. Mm-hmm. When Tom mentioned something, you have to wait three days because he's always early. And we talk about it all the time on our show. He's always early. Ultimately, he's right, you know, more times than 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 not. Um, I nibbled on the stock. The stock is actually 865 now. My average costs around 880 or so. So I'm I'm down a couple of dollars um on my quick uh, little trade here. I think you can't sell the puts here on a nine dollar stock. I'm being optimistic, it's 860, mm-hmm. but on a nine dollar stock to sell the puts for 50 cents, I'd much rather cut your size down in half or even cut mm-hmm. your size down by two thirds and just outright buy the stock. I mean, I think it's a 50, 50 shot. You're either going to make $2 or lose $2 and decide what you want to do with it from there. I mean, to me, it's a pure stock play. All right, mm-hmm. Bats. Well, while we got you on the options, let's pull sure. up meta. Okay. So here's one that we know that it had that one day gap <clears throat> lower a couple of weeks ago. And here's a one year chart here. Okay. I bought this stock. My average is about $95 here. And, and again, I thought after Wait. earnings that they were going to have to basically do what they've done is, is, is make some sort of announcement about cutting costs. And again, on the call, you know, Mark Zuckerberg kind of doubled down on at least what they had planned to do as far as their pivot towards the metaverse spending. But I'll tell you one thing, you know, lose tens of billions of dollars in one fell swoop on, on stuff that you say in your conference call, that's enough to kind of change your mind about what you need to do to kind of get investors convinced that you might start cutting costs in other areas. So, you know, the stock is trying to fill in that gap a little bit. Is this the sort of name that you might look to if you if you bought it well, okay, let's say over the last week or so, is this the name that you might look to sell calls against if you're long? Um, and, and so again, overwrite it, take in a little premium and kind of stay in the game a little bit. Yeah, this this is a hundred and three dollar stock today. I, I think you got bailed out by him talking about and cutting jobs. I mean, I think we're going back to the uh, to the old type trading where you know when when you cut jobs, the stock goes higher. Uh, where yeah. when we were rallying, if you cut jobs, that was perceived as you know bad. You weren't going to have uh, those kind of movements. So I think you got bailed out here on this stock. Uh, for me, I don't have a position in Meta. I haven't been long. And I haven't been shorted. Haven't made any money in it. I don't understand it. I don't understand him. I think yeah. he's pulling a little bit of a mini uh, Elon Musk himself. Um, I mean, would I rather be long it than short it? Yes, but I don't okay. have too much. Position. I think it's a premium selling on both sides, like calls and puts. I think yep. a strangle in there is is key. I don't think it goes anywhere, anyplace fast. Well, the, so here, and, and here's my point. So again, I bought it at 95. It's trading at 103. If I it's looked great, at December, so, so I, I looked at, yeah, I'm going to journal it over to you, buddy. Um, it, but, but the stock now is 103. So if I looked at December expiration, okay, the 110 calls, okay, so there's $7 out of the money. I could sell those, okay, at maybe $3 and 70 cents. Yeah. Yeah. Great, you know what I mean? Trade. So, so that, that's how I'm thinking about it. Oh, totally agree. Monthly pipe volatility is 54, which for those who know about what volatility is, that's about $11 uh, expected move in the next 37 days. And you're picking up just about $4. Let's just round up and say $4. You know, you're picking up 35% of the move and you're bullish on the stock and you already have it seven or $8 lower than where it's trading. It almost makes it like you take all your, your, your downside risk. 
not your upside risk, take all your downside risk out of play because you're collecting that extra four bucks trying to keep, you'll have that whole move. You'll basically be even if the stock goes down to 97, 98, your, your cost basis is 95. Tony, I want to ask you a quick question. We talked to Tom a lot about energy markets and stuff, crude oil. You know, I have a differing view. Dan's been, you know, right in the underlying commodity. The stocks have told a different story. So there's a lot of cross currents there. What is your, what is your sort of uh, macro view or maybe granular view in terms of the energy market? Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because I know you mentioned it before I came on the show and I was hoping you would get back to oil. Um, for the first time, you just mentioned we had kind of a, a divergence between the the equity oil stocks like, you know, the XOMs, the ConocoPhillips of the world and the, the physical itself. For the first time today, you've really got some of those uh, XOM, XOP down significantly, three, four, five dollars a piece in some of these stocks, XOP uh, down significantly with oil itself going down. So I think these kind of um, equity stocks have have overshot themselves. I don't know about oil itself. I'm a little bit more bearish than I am bullish on oil. I think it's a great volatility play. Crude oil volatility has, has exploded over the last couple of days. So I think there's some good premium selling there. But the stocks themselves, even though I'm mildly bullish on the market, yeah. the stocks themselves, way oversold. I'd rather be short the individual stocks than be short the physical. Yeah. So so yesterday on Market Call, Tony, I detailed, again, I had a similar view about the stocks relative to the performance and underlying commodity. I looked at the XLE. We know that Chevron and Exxon make up about 40% of that. Again, literally to the penny, to the high from earlier this year, the XLE stalled. I mean, again, it could have busted through there, but it sure. stopped to the penny. I put on a put spread. Okay. I was looking out to the end of December. I did the December 30th kind of year end expiration and I bought the 90 75 put spread. I paid 70 or I paid three bucks for a $15 wide that breaks even down about four and a half percent from where it's trading at. What do you think of long premium directional trades like that and something that you agree with on the direction? Are you ever inclined to play it the way I did or are you looking at it from more of a vol standpoint? You know, I, I get I get the um the 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 value in a debit spread. I'm just not that good with direction. So yeah. I need a little bit of a cushion to be to 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 make money. I need time because I said Tom has a three day rule. I might have a five day rule. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not right uh, immediately either. So for me, I would probably have rather like to sell a closer at the money call spread than buy the at the money put spread. But I get it, man. Defined risk is, you know, you're putting three bucks on, you feel like you're going to hold this forever. You know, I never get to hold them forever because I usually take my profits a little bit uh, too soon. But, you know, if you have conviction in a price point yeah. and you can do that, a vertical spread debit is a great uh, way of doing it. So, so quick one here. And, and, you know, I've been doing these sorts of trades for a long time and I have to have, you said this to start out our conversation, you have a process, right? And so for me, what I do when I'm expressing a directional view, long premium, whether it be long calls or puts or spreads, that sort of thing, I usually use a 50% mental spot stop. So I paid $3 for that. So if it gets to about one and a half, because a, the underlying is not moving or it's going the opposite direction, I'll cut my losses. And then what I also do is if I paid three, and I get the movement to the downside quickly, I'll either look to take half the position off, all of it off, and maybe roll or something like that if I'm still convicted. So that's kind of how I think about it. And I totally get it. You grew up in a world where you want to be selling options for the most part, not buying them. 
Yeah, but oh. I, I like what you're doing there because I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, if you're doing a spread as opposed to just a naked long option, yeah. that process, you're actually, whether you realize it or not, you're giving yourself time to be right because that yeah. spread is going to move significantly slower than the naked option will yeah. for you and against you. And I think most times we're a little bit earlier. We don't get it right and we need a little bit of time to be right. And when you have a vertical spread, you give yourself time to be right. When you're just naked long an option, you know, if it's a 40 delta option, it's going to, if stock moves a dollar, it's going to move 40%. That's just, yeah. that's just math. One of my first days at J. Aaron, one of the things, and indulge me for a second, one of the things that was sort of indoctrinated in us was take a partner. And they weren't talking about a spouse or a friend. What they were saying was, if you have an idea for a trade, get somebody else's eyes on it, have another set of eyes look at it. Cause, you know, you said earlier about falling in love with things and, you know, when I think when you do a lot of work on a trade, for example, you know, you're bullish in Robinhood here for all the different reasons. And what winds up happening is it's human nature. If you're so hell bent on being bullish, a lot of times we'll look past whether we realize it or not, some of the things that can go wrong. But if you bring somebody in from the outside that hasn't looked at Robinhood in six months, they might take a glance and say, hey, wait, Tony, you know that Schwab reports here or Robinhood has this investor conference and in a world now where everybody's sort of, you know, in their basements by themselves doing things, they've made what is a very difficult game in terms of trading that much more difficult because of its insular, very solo environment that we find ourselves in. You did something, though, a tasty trade. And I talk, we talk to Tom about this all the time, the power of the community and how being part of that community can only enhance your trading. Can you speak to that? Yeah, it's not, it's not only that, it's it's eyes that they actually bring to me sometimes. Like, I'll get emails from people saying, they'll say, hey, have you seen uh, Tesla? Well, Tesla, I'm going to look at all the time, but they'll bring up some other other mm -hmm. stuff. You know, uh, Upstart has earnings. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't paying attention to it. It's not something that I, that I always look at. Oh, maybe there's an opportunity here. Or they'll say, why does this stock have, you know, volatility of 150 in the front month and only 75 in the back month? Stock I wasn't looking at. And they bring it to my attention. And I, I we used to have, um, I, I mean, I shared my office with, with JJ Keenahan for a mm -hmm. while and uh, Tom Sosnoff. And we would sit around and, you know, some people are looking at one thing, you know, and another yeah. person looking at something else. And it's just opportunity because it's all just numbers. If it's tight and liquid markets, it's all just numbers. And then you apply a strategy to it. But you need movement, right? I mean, at least that's what that's what I, I mean. Want. You know that that office sounds like a lot of fun. Did you guys have a keg in that office there? Because uh, no, you heard, oh, no, I, no. heard I heard I heard Kinahan's name and and uh, or maybe it was just a happy hour thing. He, Utah, he was respectful Kinahan. during business hours. He all was right, respectful. fair enough. Of course no, he no, was. Of no keg, was. no keg. We were all young guys. You know, we were trying to. You know, I mean, I started with five thousand dollars in my account when I traded on the CBOE. So. I had to make money every day. If I didn't make money my first week, I, I wouldn't have had a 40 year career. So it was, it was business. You know, I didn't leave the floor to, to go to the bathroom, uh, nevertheless have a beer. So no, no, it was, it was all business. Tony, stick around for a second. We're going to take a sure. quick question on Roblox. And if we can pull up an sure. RBLX chart, a lot of people asking, obviously it's disaster du jour here. You know, this stock basically has a market cap still, despite this move, Dan, you know this better than I, it's probably close to $18 billion, a little less now, trading probably close to six times revenue. I mean, just an expensive stock, despite the fact that it's still been getting beaten up. It's bounced off those lows we saw a couple months ago, but it feels to me like it wants to make that 
test that 52 week low. Dan, just sort of yeah. knee jerk reaction. So, so, so really, so guy, all of the above, I mean, uh, nearly a $20 billion market cap. Um, and, and I guess the issue here, you know, at seven times sales, we can talk about sales and multiples of sales. I mean, if you don't have an E in this market, if you mm-hmm. are, are, you know, and, and, and that sales number is decelerating and just there's kind of, you know, fundamental headwinds to the business. And this, I mean, this is what we're seeing all over the place here. Um, that lack of earnings is going to be the thing that you're going to make new lows. And I said this on market call the other day, and it was one of the reasons why I sold snap yesterday is like, I want to buy stocks right now that I think are down 30, 40, 50% where they have defensible earnings, where they have moats, that sort of thing. That's the only way that if I'm going to be early, like Tom and bats here, you know what I mean? That I can feel a bit more comfortable um, about it. Roblox, you know, we had this segment guy on, on fast money the other night. I think it was like buyers. I don't know what the hell it was. Some stupid game, but, but I was like, listen, I'd probably be buying it on a gap. And you say this all the time, a gap lower. Okay. But like sometimes when they get that gap lower, 18%, and now it's testing those lows, it doesn't look so attractive anymore. Mm. So thoughts on thoughts on that bats, because again, it's like, how do you buy this thing holding support at its lows? I don't know. There's no earnings there. So what are we, what are we hoping for? Yeah. Uh, wow. When stocks for earnings, at least from our research that we've that we've looked at, when they gap down like this, it, they stay down for a little while. Now, now the low might be in like it's not going much lower than this. It's going to hang around here. Maybe it's a it's it's buy it if it goes even lower kind of thing. If you can uh, cost dollar cost average in or something yeah. like that. But if you're buying it for that big pop higher. Typically, they don't they don't go higher. Now, stocks that gap up can typically go a little bit higher, and 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 you can ride that wave to the to the upside. When they gap down, it's kind of hard to 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 pick up a falling knife. Well, uh, at least for earnings. So yeah, for me here in Roblox, down six thousand change, it it probably has a little bit more room to go. Yeah. I, I think that's what you were saying, also. I, I think so. I mean, I feel, listen, this was a $21 stock, I think, on the lows yeah. on June 15th or so, if memory serves. I, I don't know if it gets back there, but it definitely, somewhere between, I think, 25 and 29, this thing settles in, and we're not close yet. So I, I would, I'd be avoiding this thing. And I know a lot of people love Roblox as sort of the metaverse play, or that's great. The problem with that is, as people learn Facebook, I mean, learn the hard way. I mean, if you, the problem, and again, not to dogpile on Facebook, but the problems they had is they can't explain the metaverse to anybody. And the people they're trying to explain it to don't understand it in the first place. So, and that's, you know, Roblox on steroids. Anyway, Tony, thanks for joining us. This was fun. I'm thanks, glad you were able to jump thanks, in for Tony. Tom Sosnoff. It was clearly at like a Cubs, I don't know, winter party or some bullshit thing. What, what is he, is he getting his hair washed today? What's he doing? He was getting his beanie washed. He hasn't yeah. washed it all year. This is his time. <laughs> that, all right, man. Well, by the way, not, not a particularly great look, but hey, who am I, as I say, to cast aspersions? But that's it for Market Call. I want to thank our Thanks, sponsors, FactSet. want to thank, obviously, Tasty Trade. Check out the community at Tasty Trade. They've really built an incredible group. Um, and if you're looking for a trading community, theirs is fantastic. Uh, please subscribe to us, Risk Reversal Media on YouTube. Like our videos, leave comments. We do enjoy hearing from you, good and or bad. If you want to talk Ranger hockey, I'm your Huckleberry, as Val Kilmer said. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock with Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. See you later, folks.